And on behalf of Pastor Henry Harder and the Renewal Singers, I welcome you to another broadcast of What's New. We continue today in Romans chapter 8, moving on to verses 31 through 34. On our previous study, taken from verses 29 and 30, Paul continued his discourse on the ascending process of salvation that he began back in verse 28. Now, beginning here with verse 31, he assures us that our salvation is absolutely certain. Here is what he writes. What can we ever say to such wonderful things as these? If God is on our side, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son for us, but gave him up for us all, wouldn't he also surely give us everything else? Who dares accuse us? whom God has chosen for his own. Will God? No. He is the one who has forgiven us and given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? Will Christ? No. For he is the one who died for us and came back to life again for us and is sitting at the place of highest honor next to God, pleading for us there in heaven. Paul's argument here 
from the greater to the lesser is similar to that in chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. If God gave the supreme gift of his Son to save us, he will certainly also give whatever is necessary to bring to fulfillment the work begun at the cross. He gives us three reasons as to why no one can condemn God's elect. One, Christ died for us. Two, he is alive and seated at the right hand of God, the position of power. Three, he is interceding for us. Now, here to bring us our study for today is Pastor Henry Harder. I once had a teacher who said, If God be God, he must be sovereign. That statement has helped me through many problems. If God isn't sovereign, then he isn't really God. In the verses we looked at in the last few programs, God's sovereignty came through loud and clear. Listen again to these three verses from Romans 8, 28-30. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. In view of that, Paul continues, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Jesus Christ, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Paul has talked about the sufferings that believers, because of their profession and life of faith, have to experience. But Paul reminds us all that God is sovereign and that he works all things together for those who love him and for his glory. That being true, what's our response? If that kind of a God is for us, then who can be against us? We don't know just what these Christian Jews and Gentiles in Rome were experiencing. But whatever the opposition, they had a sovereign God on their side. That being true, whatever the opposition could hurl against them didn't matter much. They had God on their side, or rather, they were on God's side. Perhaps Paul is thinking of a courtroom scene. Who would dare to bring up a charge against those who had such a God? Now to reconfirm that conclusion and to reinforce that conviction in his readers, Paul argues that if God didn't spare his son, but gave him up for us all, surely he won't spare anything for his own. I don't understand how God can have a son, but that's what the Bible writers call and God called Jesus, the Son of God. My wife and I have one son. We love him. He is precious to us, but our love isn't infinite as God's is. So God's Son was infinitely precious to God. Yet he not only allowed him to be sacrificed, he actually sacrificed him. It was God who killed Jesus, 
he sacrificed himself. Very likely Paul has the scene on Mount Moriah in mind here. He is seeing Abram and Isaac, with Isaac bound on the altar and Abram the father raising the knife in the act of killing his son. That's a picture of God the Father. Only Jesus actually died. God drove the sword of justice into his heart. While we abhor human sacrifices, while the Bible's picture of the Moabites sacrificing their children to heathen deities is hideous, it took the death of a perfect person, the Son of God, to take care of the sin problem. If we can't accept the fact that God had to sacrifice his Son, then we don't understand the enormity of sin. Sin's wages is death, and that wage had to be paid. It took more than a human sacrifice. It took the death of the Son of God. That was the only way that sin could be covered and removed. Now, since, and that's the meaning of if, since God did all that, since he didn't spare his Son, Certainly he won't spare anything else. That's a tremendous verse, that 32nd. Can you imagine? Maybe Paul did when he wrote this, that someone would get up in court and accuse the believer in Christ of some sin. Satan, of course, does just that. John says so. John writes that Satan accuses the believers before God day and night. I take it that that's real. Perhaps Satan is pointing out the discrepancy between our profession and our conduct. But Satan has no right to bring charges against us. Finally, all sin is against God, so only he has the right to bring charges against us, and he won't. Now there is another factor brought out here by Paul, namely the fact that Jesus Christ intercedes for us. Not only did he die... Not only was he raised, but he is our lawyer at the right hand of God, perpetually arguing our case. Jesus is a perfect lawyer, an attorney or advocate who never lost a case. You see, there is tremendous security in our salvation in these verses. God himself planned it, and he carries it out from beginning to the end. He gave his Son in death for our sins, He raised him, he placed him at his right hand, and he interceded for us. Really, if God be for us, who can be against us?
is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Shafter, California, 93263, USA.